Hello, everyone. This is the Remix Podcast. My name is Kent C. Dodds, and I'm so excited to be joined by my friend Divya. Um, Divya, I, I'm blanking on your last name, so you're going to have to tell us. <laughs> um, it's Saucy Daran, but you can call me Divya. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Um, and I, I guess I should apologize. I, I do have a little bit of a sore throat, so that is what you're hearing on my end. But um, I'm excited to chat with Divya. I, I've, Divya and I have known each other for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first time we ever met was when we spoke at a conference together at, uh, at um, what was that, Front End Summit? I think or? it's like, yeah, it's um, Framework Summit. Framework Summit. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the right. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We um, we actually had a really cool talk put together um, by, uh, uh, not Brian, man. Oh, shoot. I'm blanking on his name, too. Oh, no. <laughs> this is so bad. I got to go look it up. I Nobody tell him that I forgot his first name. I know you his last name that. is Man. Um, Isaac Man. Isaac. Yeah, I knew it was Brian. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Isaac put together this cool talk idea um, where he was coming from the Angular community, I was coming from React, and you were coming from Vue. Divya was coming mm-hmm. from Vue. And we uh, kind of took a couple of code examples and showed how to do these different patterns in different frameworks. It was really cool. I actually really, uh, that's one of my favorite talks I've given. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then I've just enjoyed following you on Twitter um, and everything. Um, and now you've made a move from, you, you were at Netlify before, now you're at Fly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of like taking your thunder, I guess. Sorry. Uh, why don't you go <laughs> no, ahead and, and fill in any of the gaps that I missed yeah. and introduce yourself? No, that's that. That's actually a really good introduction. Um, I used to work at Netlify for like the last three years, and I just recently moved to Fly.io. It's a very different role in a way because I was doing a lot of front end and like web full stack, and now I'm doing a bit more of like platform oriented work. So it's a very different domain altogether. There's a lot to learn, which has been really interesting and like unique. Um, and I've really enjoyed that. I think it's Netlify sort of put me on a path towards working on developer tooling, which is sort of what I'm doing at Fly. Uh, and I really like it. It's kind of a niche um, in that sense because your users are very specific. It's not like the general public. It's specifically developers. And then especially with Fly because we're pretty low level Um there's a it's like a niche within developers itself who want access to their servers and access to like configuring how exactly their code is going to run yeah fly is definitely the the most um well i wouldn't say it's the most low level uh platform i've used it's certainly Mm -hmm. when i first got into web development i was uh, deploying on openshift that was like the first okay big one that i deployed on or or like anything real Mm -hmm. and uh uh, OpenShift was definitely way lower level. Like mm-hmm. um, I was SSHing into that thing all the time, and of course, like I, I actually just SSHed into one of my Fly uh, apps a, nice. a couple of days ago, and Fly yeah. makes it way easier than OpenShift ever was. Um, but uh, but yeah, it um, it what I like about Fly is that it it is really low level, but it doesn't actually feel as low level as it is. Mm-hmm. So like it, it's certainly low, more low level than something like Vercel or something Definitely. where yeah. um, you've got like all this developer tooling on, on top of it. But if you ever wanted to go any deeper on something like Vercel, you just couldn't. Uh, you don't have that, um, mm-hmm. or, or Netlify as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't have that uh, level of control or flexibility. Whereas with Fly, um, if you need to go deeper, the tools are there to make you uh, go deeper. So I, I um, when I was rebuilding my website, um, that, that was one thing that 
honestly made me a little bit nervous because I don't like mm-hmm. going that deep. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised at how usable Fly has been. I'm curious, like what you're using Fly specifically for on your website. Yeah, yeah. So when I was building my website, um, I uh, I started out thinking, okay, I want to, um, I, I, okay, a little bit of backstory. So I, I was um, a full-time engineer at PayPal, decided I wanted to go full-time teacher. And mm-hmm. I was worried in doing that, that I was going to kind of lose touch with what it was mm-hmm. like to really build software. Mm-hmm. And I'm teaching people how to build software. I don't want to lose touch. And so um, I figured that after a couple of years of just teaching, I'd go and build something real and then, right. you know, just to refresh myself. So this was my opportunity. It was like rebuilding my website. I wanted to make it more significant. I wanted mm-hmm. it to be like what you would do for building a real site. And so for that reason, it's way more like overscoped for what a typical blog would be. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just wanted to have way more features and, and all yeah. that. Yeah. So um one of the the key things for me was to be able to deploy a- everywhere in the world. Cause, so I wanted mm-hmm. it to be really, really fast. And choosing a particular region in the world just means that um, you are limited on how fast you can be on the other side of the world. So yes, yeah. if you wanted to be fast in China, that's great. Just deploy to Hong Kong. But now mm-hmm. everybody in like Chicago is experiencing a slow connection. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I uh, that was the first thing that really got me excited about Fly was the multi-regional deployment, mm-hmm. um, and so and and even like serverless functions, you have to choose a region. So like yes, which is to me, I'm just like, why don't they like why why do they do that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's so simple and straightforward, just you know, it you don't need to be on a specific box with serverless. So you know, mm-hmm. have why don't you make it on all of the boxes? So anyway. Um, I, I was really attracted by that. Uh, I started out w- using Firebase for my data, and then I realized, oh man, if all my data is in Firebase, I have to choose a region for that yeah, too. So, like, you anytime do. you have to choose a region for anything, yeah. you're putting your users on the slow path. Um, you know, so doing regional deploys is going to be a little bit better. But if your data is not there too, it's it's not going to yeah. be as good as it could be. So, that was when I saw that Fly supported uh, Postgres clusters mm-hmm. uh, that are uh, with read replicas all over the world. Like, ah, okay, there we go. Now I can uh, do this. And, and I, so I hand-rolled my own authentication and I nice. um, did read replicas with Postgres, read replicas with uh, Redis as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, yeah, I'm using uh, Fly. I've got three apps for my website. One is for the, the Node server. That's um, a long-running process for uh, my site. And it needs mm-hmm. to be a Node server long-running process because I actually uh, generate podcast episodes on the Fly on my well, on on the fly, yes, <laughs> on on my uh, on my note server. So, like, I'm I'm doing things that you need a long running process for. Yeah. Uh, and then I have uh, Redis for my cache that is on fly. Mm-hmm. It takes like five milliseconds to get something out of my Redis cache because the yeah. like it's right there. Yeah. And then uh, Postgres, uh, and most of my queries finish in like fifty milliseconds uh, for Postgres. So sometimes I'll, I'll cache some of those too. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. That is what I'm using Fly for. I deploy to six regions. I could probably deploy to a couple more, uh, yeah. but that is what I'm using Fly for. That's awesome. I mean, that's a perfect use case because, like, that is sort of the whole ethos of using of Fly as compared to a lot of other providers out there. It's just like, I think we get this question a lot. It's just like, why would we use Fly? And it's oftentimes just the ability to deploy full stack apps or app servers closer to your users because, I mean, you, you explained it really well 
there tends to be a specific, like you have to pick your region whenever you deploy an app, uh, like with AWS or with like Firebase. There's a lot of this kind of thing, which is interesting because then you have that. I think we talked about this on the other podcast, this like <laughs> yeah. dichotomy between like, we have this, the like static CDN pops being very like spread out across the world and being very available and then servers not being the case. So you would have to like pick a specific region. And so like if you're serving static assets, great, it's fast. But if you wanted to do something that's server side, it's going to take a bit longer. The latency is like something that you kind of have to deal with. And yeah, it's really nice that Flag gives you that access without like, and it's also like you said, it's not, it's low level enough. Like it gives you that configuration access, but it also doesn't make you do a lot of that work. Like you don't have to do a lot of the work. It's just like, okay, here's a, like you can configure it in this specific way. You can use the CLI, you can write a TOML file and then we do the rest for you. Yeah, totally. Like it, it blew my mind how uh, straightforward it was to deploy a multi-region Postgres um, cluster. Uh, mm -hmm. Like that's, that's literally just a couple of commands that you run and boom, now you have read replicas and everything. Now, integrating that from the application code uh, standpoint is a little bit tricky. And um, because it's application code, we can make libraries for that. And, mm -hmm. and I know that Fly is planning on doing some, some of that stuff in the future. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, like, the, the part that is hard for me as uh, primarily a front-end engineer, mm -hmm. um, Fly makes a lot easier. Uh, and I certainly, uh, Fly enables me to do things that I, I could not do with mm -hmm. existing services and stuff that, um, I mean, AWS can, you basically can do anything that you want to on oh, that definitely. platform. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But uh, there's a reason why they have certification programs for AWS. Yeah. Yeah, I think we called it like the difference between AWS and uh, Fly is this whole like buy versus build thing. Mm -hmm. And in AWS, you have the ability to do a lot of this stuff, but you sort of have to build it yeah. <laughs> yourself. And you have to know, like you said, you have to have all this knowledge of how to build it. And sometimes that requires you to like hire someone who's very, very specialized in AWS technologies and like has done the certifications. And in Fly, it's a buy model where it's like, okay, we want we allow you to do so the same things more or less, but um, you don't have to have all this prior knowledge in order to do that. It's fairly like configured for you. We kind of give you some guardrails um, and a basic understanding. <laughs> so you don't have to know everything. You just need to know like, okay, I want these particular regions or I want like this size of a VM and then we do the rest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's only been getting easier to configure even like through the UI, you can now like scale and, and uh, choose the size of your VMs and everything right through the UI, uh, which has gotten a lot easier to use too. So uh, Fly definitely is, um, is only getting started from my perspective um, on ease of use, which I think is cool. Um, one other thing that I, um, I thought was interesting is Ryan Florence recently I was doing some experimenting and um, found out that uh, if he deployed in, I think in Virginia mm -hmm. uh, and then hit it from Hong Kong, it actually only added like 200 milliseconds to the request time, um, which was a, a little surprising to both him and me because uh, I, I was always under the impression that um, you, you go to the other side of the world, you're adding at least a half a second, maybe mm -hmm. a full second. And um just because you know the speed of light, uh, but um, 
what what's interesting though uh, is because of the way that Fly works, I know that wherever a user is in the world, they're going to connect to the Fly region that's closest to them, regardless mm -hmm. of whether I've deployed my app there. And then um, from there, the request get um, you know gets handled by whatever region. And so, um, and maybe other platform providers do this magic in the background, but like this is very observable with uh, Fly. Uh, that once you get into the Fly network, then that network speed is like outrageously fast. And that, that explains the 200 millisecond thing. Can you speak to that anymore? Uh, is that like a unique value proposition of Fly? Yeah, I think there's like, so one thing that we do offer within Fly is this ability for you to connect um, servers. I don't know the specifics behind that particular thing because I, I actually haven't worked on that um, much. But um, what Fly does when you do deploy across regions is that we create this private network that you have access to a lot of your servers and your nodes. And so it sort of creates this mesh um, that then allows you to make requests across. Um, and I think that could be <laughs> what you're experiencing in terms of the speed of how things are doing, because it's, it's sort of bypassing a lot of... Um, normal connections and it's sort of making it a bit faster potentially so it's connecting directly to an instance that's closest to you and like creating that yeah within that mesh probably doing that mm. i would imagine yeah that's cool and, and since you brought up the the private network thing this is actually uh, another really cool thing about fly that i liked and that is, um, I actually, just the other day, I was at the uh, Remix Utah meetup and I was uh, you know, showing my website and stuff and I accidentally opened up, and this was being live streamed and everything, I accidentally opened up my .env file. <laughs> oh, fun, yeah. And, and so it, that, uh, I revealed my um, Discord bot token and uh, a couple other things. And also, I almost reveal, well, I, I did reveal uh, my Redis URL. Mm -hmm. And I had not configured my Redis um, app to be uh, only accessible within the private network. Um, and so that I needed to fix. But then I, I it also showed my uh, production Postgres uh, mm -hmm. database connection string. Um, it didn't show the whole thing, uh, but it almost did. But even if it had, that connection string was using the dot .internal uh, TLD, uh, yeah. which is like specific to that in the internal network. So even if it had people still wouldn't have been able to access my Postgres database, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, I think that's something that we wanted to configure because it's also a way for... Because most of the time when you have a database that's running on a server, it's sort of accessible to some extent if you have like, you know, that particular internal URL or like a key. Um, but within Fly, because it's your own private network, it's very difficult for someone to access it. So it's very isolated from the public network. And so if you have data, you sort of don't have to worry about someone getting access to it, um, which is honestly like a huge win in that sense, because often when you talk about how people, like when you talk about multi-region data or having to like use a serverless kind of solution to databases, that's often the, the critique. It's just like, okay, it has to live publicly, which means it can be accessible if I like ex accidentally expose a URL or a token. Automatically, someone gets access to it. But if it's not someone who's on that particular org or on that particular network and has that access, they will not be able to use it at all. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. You need two keys to get into this database. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that is just super, super cool. Um, and on that note, uh, it actually, uh, another cool thing about multi-regional deploys is uh, stuff like GDPR and mm-hmm. you know data regulations on where you can store data for users in different countries and stuff. And because of uh, um, the ability to, to deploy a fly cluster, that, or, or at least to deploy to sp- uh, um, multiple regions, uh, that actually makes handling those use cases a lot easier as well, right? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because you can, again, like you have access to that isolation layer and you can just like configure things appropriately. Yeah, yeah. So you can um, have your, your single app, but if your user is coming from, I, I don't know which countries have these regulations, but we'll just say Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you can just say, well, okay, your data is going to live there. Data is only going to live there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's super cool. Cool. Well, are are there other features of uh, Fly that are like especially useful for Remix users or or for uh, that make uh, user experience really awesome? I think you've spoken to a lot of it. So, like the biggest use case, particularly for front end apps, is the ability to run your like a backend or a database. And like I guess in Remix specifically, it's databases that's the huge sell. Um, because in general, like Fly is also it's catered towards a lot of full stack. So a lot of the users with, within Fly are, of of course, like from the Elixir community. Uh-huh. So like Phoenix users are actually huge within Fly um, and they really enjoy it because that's sort of that ecosystem and similar to like Rails because it's a full stack solution. And Remix obviously has aspects of that. But um, a lot of the times the background of the users tend to be front-end developers, right? So, and then... They, their concerns is like, okay, I have this front-end app and then like I also want to have data somewhere. And so that's sort of how Fly comes in because it allows you to like, one, you can server-side render stuff and then two, you can also use Postgres clusters like you mentioned that are multi-region and so you have access to that itself. And I think that's the biggest sell, honestly, I would say, um, because there's a lot of other features, like, you know, how exactly you're configuring things, or if you want to, like, I don't know, uh, scale things in a specific way, you can do a lot of that. But I think that's the main, like, databases is probably the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, Kurt, the the I think he's the founder yeah. of, uh, of Fly. Uh, he's a really cool, cool guy. Very smart. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he mentioned to me that um, his goal for Fly was that people would be build a CDN on top of Fly, um, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. So I think because Fly basically gives you that ability, that there's a lot of like this understanding of how companies tend to build off of other infrastructure, like big tech infrastructure. So you would like, I don't know, a company like Netlify, for example, or whatever out there (laughs) would build on top of like AWS or GCP or whatever. So it's like existing infrastructure and fly sort of does its own, like it doesn't build on top of that. It's sort of our own infrastructure and our own stuff. Hmm. And so in that sense, like that's sort of the, like, I think this overarching goal (laughs) is this whole um, creating an ecosystem outside of big tech to some Hmm. extent. So you're like, okay, you, you have obviously concerns around how, you know, like AWS, the ethics of AWS or whatever. Um, 
a company like Fly.io is sort of focused on, and we don't, I don't think we ever have aspirations of becoming huge and having like giant enterprise customers or anything like that. Of course, that that's where the money is. And Kurt has ranted about this many <laughs> times, but I think our ideal user are developers like you and just people building apps on their own or smaller consultancies building apps for clients. Um, because the use cases and the needs are very small. And also like we want to hone in on giving people access and enabling the developer experience of that itself. And so it sort of gives agency where you might not feel that way when you're using something like Google Cloud or AWS, because it's very much like in that sense, you're being sold a product and then there's a lot more to it rather than in this case it's like this is what we do and we're going to do it really well and then mm. you can build your whatever on top of our infrastructure and we're going to make sure that it's rock solid the foundation is rock solid uh, i i think that's great it, you're kind of like a, a safe haven from aws <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, they're, they're definitely um some reasons to not want to be on aws um and that's interesting to me that, uh, um, uh, yeah, like, so on, on the days where basically the entire internet is down, everybody can go to my website because it's not on AWS. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's, that's kind of a unique value proposition in itself. Um, cool. So can you tell me a little bit about what um, the future holds for Fly and, and what people can look forward to in the future with Fly? Yeah, so we're working actively on making like the Postgres user experience a lot better and easier. And so that involves like we're essentially like sort of working on the CLI and the commands and making that use case that that user experience a bit smoother. Um, and then we're also working on just making machines better. So like how do you access them? How do you work with them? How do you launch them and so on? and giving users a bit more control over that particular piece. Because right now, um, the way we do a lot of things sort of internally, um, it doesn't, like, we try to give users a lot more control, but within the configuration, it doesn't allow that. So like scheduling particular servers or scheduling Mm. or picking specific regions and so on. Like there are some portions that are not very smooth. Um, and so internally, we're working on making that process a bit easier and a bit clearer so that from a user perspective, you don't, again, have to understand a lot of things. We sort of do a lot of the work and we make things faster because um, we currently are using like specific technologies that have certain latency issues because of how we're using it. And so hopefully we're going to fix that and things might be a bit faster. Oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah. I, I do have some uh, queries on my uh, Postgres database that take upwards of like 100 milliseconds. And I'm like, oh, that, that's no good. So yeah. Yeah, we're working that. on making it faster. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That, I, I stick a cache in front of it and, and it's not a big deal. But uh, yeah, some of them can be quite long. Like I, I have um, the uh, blog uh, team rankings. So you can sign up on my uh, site and choose a, a team. And then as you read uh, blog posts, it'll uh, add a point for your team. Uh, and, oh, cool. yeah. and determining the, the rankings of those um, of the teams on the blog posts um, 
ends up being nine queries to Postgres. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, if I were like more of a SQL nerd, then I could probably figure out a single query to make it happen. Sure, but, yeah. Um, I mean, it, I, I know some SQL uh, geniuses and they can do some amazing stuff with that text. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so those queries, I definitely am, am caching with Redis. But mm-hmm. like uh, Fly just makes it pretty dang easy for me to uh, to have both. Uh, and even even if it, I weren't caching Postgres queries, I'd also be caching other stuff. So having a right. Redis yeah. server um, is uh, is pretty good. I, I uh, am looking forward, though, to everything getting a little faster. That's always a, a nice thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Performance is always nice. Yeah. So, uh, Divya, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about uh, before we start to wrap things up? I think we covered a lot of <laughs> the highlights. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if this is a common question you get, but one thing that I get when I join Fly at least, or when I started using Fly in the beginning is like, you get a lot of the comparisons between like, why would I use Fly? And I think that's a question that I often have to answer. <laughs> and so uh-huh. I think we talked, maybe we, I mean, we talked about using Fly, but I think we've not actually brought up like the other, like we talked about AWS a bit, but I think um um there's like render that comes up and heroku that comes up as comparisons direct comparisons because especially with heroku i guess render is the newer one right but heroku has been like sort of the long running contender in that it's in i don't even know when it started but it was sort of like if you want to deploy a full stack app you would use heroku yeah um and that was the that was sort of the thing. And I guess now there's render as well. And render has a very similar proposition where it's like, if you want to deploy a full stack app, you can use render. And there's differences between the two. Cause like Heroku, for example, I think the way we talk about it internally is that fly is Heroku that you don't outgrow. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Because it's, it's just like a bit, I think also Heroku's like value proposition changed because they're very much an enterprise model now rather than for like yeah. the average developer. They're basically just to host Salesforce apps now. Essentially, like, yeah. yeah. And so that like that's the way I see it. Just like if you were to compare um Fly.io to Heroku, it's just in a way, it's what Heroku should have been <laughs> um had it not gone the enterprise route. I mean, I guess. And then uh-huh. with render as well, I guess it's it's actually a very good comparison because I think render does a really good job with de- with the developer experience. They're fantastic, um, but render does not do multi region well. Yeah. Um, and I think that is the biggest issue that I've faced when I've used render. It's just like, oh, do you want to use US East? <laughs> and I'm just like, are you? Is that it? Um, <laughs> and I think they're probably they. I think they are working on it. I've seen a lot of tweets where they've mentioned it. Um, and so, and I think the sim- similarly, they don't have a lot of the private networking stuff that we have um, mm. as well. So I think those are the two things. But again, like Render is a, a wonderful tool. I don't want to say don't use Render because it's great. And their DX is, you know, like very smooth. I would say maybe this is a fair, this is fair for me to say, but their DX is probably better than us right now. Uh-huh. Um because they are, they've been working on that very aggressively and they've done a fantastic job. Um, and so, yeah, that's basically the, I would bring that as a last point, <laughs> just yeah, a comparison yeah, yeah. between what's up, what else is out there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, um, 
developer experience is an input into the end user experience, mm-hmm. which is like the entire thing that we're what we're trying to do um, is is make awesome user experiences uh, wherever you end up deploying. And um, I feel like nailing that user experience first is really good, which is why I'm I'm really bullish on Fly because um, you you just embrace the fact that hey, user experience is improved if you can deploy to multiple regions. Mm-hmm. And and then you can back into a, uh, and improve uh, the developer experience. It's much harder to to start with developer experience and then back into a better user experience. And so, yeah. uh, I I think that's what Remix did. Um, we're working on our use, our developer experience as well. Uh, but nailing that user experience first, I think, is really critical. Yeah, definitely. It's just finding that niche of like, okay, what are develop what do developers care about and what do they want? And then once you have that answer it's like okay we're gonna fix and build around that and now that we have this we're sort of at the point where we're trying to make the user experience better and encourage like sort of building use cases for why you would use fly and like the different pathways to using fly Mm. um and so and it's really nice because the infrastructure and a lot of the platform is in place to support that Mm. yeah yeah absolutely well awesome um so we've got our, our last uh, thing to uh, leave our audience with, and that is if there was one thing that people could do to improve their user experience, what would it be, Divya? Uh, that's a really hard question to answer. Um, I think, I don't know if there's one thing, but one thing that I, at least something that helps you get there is usually like being a user of the thing that you're building. Um, Because I find, and this is something I find like having worked in developer tooling a lot too, that often you, the people who build the thing don't use the thing. Mm. And so that means that you make assumptions as to like, oh, this should be pretty straightforward. Um, I think for instance, like within Fly, for example, something that kept being a snafu is with the credit card information. So if you'd use the CLI, we try to push people to use the CLI, but the CLI pushes people back into the UI. And uh-huh. and it's kind of a frustrating user experience if you've ever like been on the other side of using it because it's like oftentimes when you're in a CLI, you don't want to go to the UI. <laughs> like you want to stay within that context. And so it's very jarring for you to be pulled back and forth. Mm. Um, and so for me, at least in to answer your question, which is not really answering your question, <laughs> it's it's very useful to be a user and sort of have that empathy so that you can build better products. Um, and that's what I try to do a lot within Fly because it's like I'm building something. It's fairly like platform and low level because it's sort of like dealing with networking and so on. But I have to always pull my pull myself out and understand the bigger picture of like, okay, how are users going to interact with this and what are the implications? Yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome. Really good advice. Uh, use the software. I I worked at some companies where I was absolutely not a user of the software. I, I didn't care anything about uh, as a user uh, the software, and it was a lot harder for me to answer questions. Uh, and yeah, I guess in those situations, you just really rely on product. But yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But when you're at a startup, you uh, it's way too small for that. So you kind yeah. of are doing you're building, but you're also building the roadmap in a way, Mm. which is like, I think 
one thing why I really like startups a lot because it gives you that ability to move back and forth. So it's not someone else making those product decisions. You building the product can offer product <laughs> decisions. Yeah. 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 I love it. Cool. Divya, what's the best place for people to keep up with you and what you're doing? I'm usually on Twitter and everywhere at ShortDiv. So that's probably the best place to find me. Okay. Sounds great. Then um, I'll link to that in the description. Thank you so much for joining us this season and have a wonderful day. <laughs>